Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and tell him you look beautiful today. Man. Was that worship team amazing this morning? Come on. Come on, come on, come on. Amazing. Mason up here, let's pray for him. He wasn't feeling well, pushed through. Man, I'm battling something, so we're just proud of him. It so, sounded so great, too, and uh, but just happy. I, before, we, before we go any further, I just want to pray for a few things. One, it's one of our dear families in this church, the Rufino family. Uh, they have had some severe sickness over the last few weeks in their home, and uh, I believe the devil is a lie. Come on, somebody say the devil is a lie. And uh, we're going to believe for healing for their body. Uh, they got a diagnosis on their son. And uh, at a children's hospital, we're going to believe for divine healing in his body. Uh, the other thing we're going to pray for today is we're going to pray for, we're going to pray against this coronavirus. Amen. Uh, God has not given us a spirit of fear, right? But he's given us an attitude of faith. Amen. And I believe that our vice president this past week was with a team of pastors in the White House praying against the coronavirus. And I don't think he needs to do that alone. I think we need to join him. So I want us to stand this morning again. I know you've been standing a bit and I know you don't have to stand to pray, but I want you to stand a bit and I want you to grab somebody by the hand. And I want us to declare together over the Rufino family, over Mason this morning or any sick body that's in this house. Not just, not, just, not just in this house, but around this globe against the coronavirus, against the flu, against all these things attacking us. And let's believe for divine healing. Can we do that together? Father, we come in agreement today. The Word of God says, by your stripes we are healed. And we speak the Word of Jesus over uh, Mason this morning, the Rafino family, the Murray family. And we just pray, God, that you will just go across this land and heal the virus, this coronavirus, God. I believe, God, for your glory, for your purpose. Us, God, that there could be a, a, a breakthrough moment in, in this time, God, and we'll come into agreement with, with our vice president and those that are praying, God, and we're believing, God. You know, government can't stop the virus. Doctors can't stop the virus, but you know what can stop the virus? You, God Almighty, can put a stop to this virus, and so, God, we just pray a hand of protection, not just for the United States, God, but around the globe today, God, that you just heal people today. Let their be a day that they say, I don't know what happens, but on a Sunday morning that their miraculous things started happening and people started being healed and, and getting up out of their bed. And God, we're believing for it, God, and we expect it, God, according to your word in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. Clap your hands unto the Lord like you believe that. Come on, pray like you believe that. Praise like you believe that. Amen. 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 Welcome to Family Reunion today. We're so glad you're here. Um, not this coming weekend, but the following weekend, the 15th. Uh, is that the following weekend? Anyway, the 15th, our, our youth, along with our missions team, is going to be doing something special here. You don't want to miss that. It's going to be great. So we're not going to hear from them today, even though they just got back from the mission field. We're going to hear from them on the 15th. Uh, and so excited about what's going on, not just here, but also in Mexico. And we're, we're super pumped about that. Today, I want you to turn to Acts 4 in your Bibles, Acts 4, 31. I'm uh, reading from the ESV this morning. I like to keep y'all guessing. I switch these around all the time, ESV and Passage and Message and King James. I'll throw a little King James in there today, and we'll just do all a little there just to, just to keep everybody happy, you know. 
keep everybody happy. So while the t- talking monkey's preaching today, everybody's happy. I'm excited. I want to read the book now about the talking monkey. That fired me up. Come on, somebody. Talking monkey. Amen. Amen. All right. Acts 4.31. And when they had prayed. Everybody say, when they had prayed. There's an emphasis on that. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Let's do it one more time. Let's all read it together. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. How many is ready for a shaking around here? Come on, we need a good old outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to preach old school today. I'm going to call it like we used to back in the day, Holy Ghost. Come on, I don't know. We got so politically correct these days. But back when I was a little boy, we called it the Holy Ghost. I wish I had a little B3 this morning. I could say it better. Y'all don't even know what a B3 is. That's an organ. The Holy Ghost. Hey, Stephen Furtick got an organ player. I think I can get one too. Come on, somebody. But I want to talk about today the elements of an outbreak. The elements of an outbreak. There, there are some elements that we need for an outbreak of the Holy Ghost in today's world. And it's my opinion, it's my opinion today that we need a good old-fashioned outbreak of the Holy Spirit. And let me help you today. There's some things ain't going to change without an outbreak of the Holy Spirit. There's some things that you can't, you, you can't do without the work of the Holy Spirit. And we need a good old-fashioned outbreak of the Holy Spirit, not just in this house, but across this land and around the world today. We need a move of God. And there are some things that don't ever get old, and they don't ever become obsolete. I was talking to someone the other day about putting up LED lighting in the church, and they said the problem with putting up LED lighting is that it's changing so rapidly. If you put up some fixtures today, and then in a couple of years, one of those fixtures go out, you can't get matching fixtures because they're changing so fast. They're changing so rapidly. Ironically, we had a conversation about that uh, with the Pearson girls this morning. I had the privilege of picking up my girls and bringing them to church this morning because their parents are out of town. And we were talking about LED lighting and things changing. How many has a computer and you bought it and the next month it was obsolete? It would, come on. There are, we're at a changing world where things become obsolete the day after you get them. You buy a new car and it's an old car 30 miles down the road. Amen. Amen. Come on. Things get old. Things change. Things get, But there's one thing that hasn't changed. This hasn't changed. He said, I, and he hasn't changed. He said, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so if you're going to have a breakthrough, you're going to have to have a breakout of the Holy Spirit. If you're going to have a breakthrough, you've got to have a breakout. And so there's some elements that go into having a breakout of the Holy Spirit. 
And we need, we need not just a touch of the Holy Spirit, but we need a, to be full and overflowing with the Holy Ghost. Can somebody say amen? amen. And John twenty twenty one, Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, you're sent. Come on. You're sent. God's got a purpose for your life. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. And if you forgive the sins of any, then they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. The Greek word used here does not appear anywhere else in the New Testament. But it's the same word that's used in Genesis when God breathed the breath of life into Adam's nostrils. The beginning of all creation begins with the breath of God. And the beginning of a new creation begins with the breath of God. If you're going to be a new creature in Christ Jesus, then he's going to have to breathe on you the work of the Holy Spirit. Anybody with me this morning? He's going to have to breathe on you, and there's going to be a, an anointing that's going to come upon your life from the very direction or from the very breath of God into your very being and will transform your life. In Acts 2, we read this. And when the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came uh, from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. Everybody say breath of air. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues of fire appeared upon them and rested on each one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. If we look at the Passion Translation there, I mean, the, uh, yeah, the, uh, yeah, the Passion Translation. They were filled and equipped with the Holy Spirit and they were inspired to speak in tongues. Everybody say filled and equipped. There's a whole lot of people that want to get filled, but when he filled you, he equipped you. Why would he equip you? Equip you? Because he has a plan and a purpose for your life. So he didn't just fill you for no purpose. He filled you and he equipped you because he wanted you to go do something powerful in the world around you. Can anybody say amen to that? So I want you to say, I'm equipped. I'm a sent one. I, I have purpose in my life. He didn't just fill me with his spirit so that I could just come to church on Sunday and make it through the week. But he filled me so I could be a, a, a world changer and transform the lives of people around me every single day. The word filled has two meanings. They were filled inwardly and they were filled outwardly. Or they were equipped for ministry. We all need the feeling of the Spirit inwardly for the life that God has called us to live. But we need the Spirit outwardly so that we can fulfill the purpose that He's called us to live. Are you with me this morning? So it doesn't need to be just a little infilling of the Holy Spirit, but it needs to be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I, I didn't get just filled up, but I became a conduit of the presence of God. And so everywhere I go, I should be leaking his presence. I should be sharing his goodness. 
There should be, according to scriptures, miracles, signs, and wonders following me. Now, here's the question that I want you to ask yourself. Is there a miracle, signs, and wonders following you? Are there miracles happening in my life? And now, I'm not going to get into what looks like a miracle because there's all kinds of miracles. So it doesn't have to do just a miracle of healing of the physical body. It could be a ministry of transforming lives spiritually. It could be a word of encouragement. It could be wherever life you go, lives are being changed and transformed by the power of God. That is a miracle. Now, someone did argue with me the point of miracles or something that can happen only, you can't do them, they can only happen by the supernatural power of God. But there's one thing I want you to understand. None of us are transformed out of our own doing. Any transformation that happens in our life is out of the supernatural power of God. I hate to tell you, but you're just not that good. I hate to tell you this. But God's doing miracles in your life every day, and some of them you didn't even ask for. But he's doing them because he cares about you, and he loves you, and he's crazy in love with you. So therefore, because he's a good daddy, he's giving you gifts that you didn't even ask for. Come on, somebody. He's a good daddy, so he's giving you gifts you didn't even ask for. And that makes me want to run around and jump up and down. In Acts 4, 23, as soon as they were released from custody, Peter and John went to the other believers and explained to all of them what had happened with the high priest and with the elders. Now watch this. And when the believers had heard their report, they whispered a quiet prayer. They had a moment of silence. Come on, man. They had a moment of silence and reverence to all the good things that the Lord had done. Now, that's not what Scripture says. And when the believers had heard their report, they raised their voices in unity and prayed. I believe it's time for a church, first of all, to raise its voice. To raise its voice and declare this is the day of the Lord. We need to come out from under the rock that we're under. And we need to raise our voice. Oh, man, I'm just not preaching now. We then got caught up in being so politically correct that we're incorrect. We, we need to quit worrying about what everybody else thinks and worry about what he thinks. And everything that happens supernatural in your life, give God the glory for it and raise your voice in the praise of the goodness of God in our lives. And they raised their voice and, and in unity they prayed. So we don't just need to pray, but we need to pray together. We need to unify. Now, when I'm speaking on unity today, I'm not specifically just talking about this church. I'm talking about unity with the believers. When we pray today uh, for those that are in another country, another place for coronavirus or whatever might be going on, then we're, we're binding together in unity and saying we are believing as the body of Christ for a miracle. We're believing for a miracle. We're not just praying for our own little situation we're in. Oh, God, help me. Look at my situation. No, God, we're believing for 
an outbreak of the power of God across the land, and we're praying in unity. Now, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on here because Michelle really took care of that well last Sunday. In Acts 4, 23, and the believers were all in one mind. Everybody say one mind and one heart. They were not divided. They were in one mind and they were in one heart. Now, how did they get there? The next word tells us. Selfishness was not a part of their community. You want to know how to get it in one mind and one heart? Selfishness cannot be a part of your community. For they shared everything they had with one another. There is so much power in the unified church. Now, I could spend a lot of time today giving you history lesson on presidents and leaders and people that got unified. And some of it wasn't even good. Some, even when bad people unify, something gets done. So when good people unify, how much more could we do? Now, let me preach a little bit. There's so much division in the body of Christ. This is something she didn't mention last week. Well, I'm Baptist, and I'm Methodist, and I'm Presbyterian, and I'm Catholic, and I'm Pentecostal, and I'm whatever. If you're more concerned about your denomination than you are about the body, then you're serving the wrong God. Thank you, Lisa, for one golf clap over there. You're not clapping for me. We're clapping for him. Come on. I read somewhere there's one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. And if we believe in the body of Christ, we won't be divided over the very thing that God put us on this earth to do together. That's good anyway. So all the believers were in one mind and one heart, and selfishness was not a part of their community. There's power in the unified church. So here are the elements that create an atmosphere for a breakout revival. Now, I want to just say something this morning. I I don't say this often because uh, I'm very cautious with these words, but I honestly believe that this church, I ain't talking about anybody else because I'm only pastor of this church, this church needs a breakout revival. Because I think there's some dead things around here that need to be resurrected. Come on. You're afraid to say amen because you're afraid I'm talking about you. My dad talked to my dad this morning. He said, son, you preaching that? I said, yeah. He said, preach good. I said, I'm going to preach myself in the altar. Because I need a revival. I'm going to go ahead and confess it. I don't know if you're going to confess it, but I need a revival. I need a breakthrough. I need, I, I, I need a good old-fashioned outpouring of the Holy Ghost. If you want to confess it, look at your neighbor and say, you need a breakthrough. Come on, somebody. So here's some elements. I'm starting to talk like a monkey. Here's some elements that are created, that create an atmosphere for a breakout revival. I'm going to give you three. There's a bunch more, but I'm going to give you three today. Prayer, unity, and selflessness. Prayer, unity, 
and selflessness. A church that doesn't pray will never have a breakout revival. A church that's divided will not stand and cannot have a breakout revival. A church that's selfish will not have a breakout revival. But a congregation of people that will unite in prayer and set aside everything to say, hey, we're going to have a move of God and we're going to serve the world around us will have a breakout revival. So pray till something happens and don't give up and don't give in to what you see, what you hear, or what's around you. There's always going to be a negative Nancy. There's always going to be somebody to tell you that it ain't going to work. It ain't going to happen. We've been here before. I've already tried this. We've already had one of those. We've already seen that. We've already, and they'll talk you right out of a good revival. Don't look at the negativity around you. Look at this word of God that's got promises for every day of your life and say, God, we're going to believe for a breakthrough and a breakout of the power of God in my life. I'm believing this word. In Los Angeles, there was a church on 312 Azusa Street. It was called the Second Great Awakening. On April the 9th, 1906, the Spirit of God fell down on several people and they began to speak in tongues. And we hear about that because it was a renewal. It was, a, it, was a, it was considered the Second Great Awakening. But there was a guy by the name of William J. Seymour who was front and center of this revival. And what people sometimes forget is that Seymour sometimes prayed for seven hours a day for months on end with an expectation that God will act in his timing. And I'm going to tell you something. He prayed a lot of times alone. There were many days that nobody joined him in prayer. He was kicked out. He was locked away. He was shoved aside. He was talked about, but he kept on praying. There was negativity. There was discord. There was disunity. But one day, because of one man's prayer and a few people uniting together, this nation saw a revival like it's never seen before. It takes a one person that'll say, I'm going to get a hold of the horns of the altar, and I'm going to hold on to the horns of the altar, and I'm going to pray until something happens. I'm going to believe until someone joins with me, and I'm going to give until it hurts. It ain't, listen, let me tell you something. It's not selfishness when you pray seven hours a day. That's sacrifice. There's never been a great revival known to it, that I've ever read about in history that somewhere there wasn't sacrifice. Now, I, I'm just going to be honest with you today. Very few of us know little about real sacrifice. I'm not saying that nobody in here know, don't know about sacrifice. I'm saying we know little about real sacrifice. As a matter of fact, when I was growing up, we heard oftentimes, 
You know, give sacrificially. Pray sacrificially. Live sacrificially. I hear a little, very little about sacrifice anymore. Now, we know a lot about cruise ships, big buffets. I'm, I'm going to preaching right now. We're in crawfish season. We know how it is to gather and eat till your belly is full. Come on, somebody. We know about luxuries. We know about lavishness. We know about God bless America so I can have more. But we know very little about sacrifice. Someone the other day mentioned to me something about something I said or something we were talking about, and they said, you know, what a sacrifice. I said, I, don't, I really don't know much about sacrifice. I've given up a lot, maybe to some people's standard, or maybe there's been some sacrifice on my part to some people's standard, but I've never been boiled in oil, stoned, hung upside down, nailed to a cross, persecuted. I've had people say bad things about me sometimes, you know, and I had to get over it. But I don't know much about sacrifice. Getting quiet in here. The reason we don't understand about sacrifice is because of selfishness. Now, I'm talking to myself. I already told you I'm preaching to Marvin today, so don't get offended. I'm preaching to me too. Everybody say, you're preaching good to yourself, Pastor. <laughs> so everybody trying about the Holy Spirit don't want you to be offended. And I'm not saying that nobody in here is known, don't know about sacrifice. I'm just saying we don't know a lot about sacrifice because the world we live in, there's not a lot of sacrifice necessary. Are being put on us. But if we're going to have a breakout revival, we're going to have to get over ourselves and our selfishness and there's going to have to be a little bit of sacrifice. There's going to have to be someone that'll press in and pray. There's going to have to be someone that'll press out and give. There's going to have to be someone that's going to not that's going to let down the walls of these little barriers that we have, and we're going to have to unify so that He can be glorified. He goes on to tell us that after months of prayer, the revival broke out. The revival helped integrate the church into more of a more harmonious, unified community. You're talking about Azusa Street. Bringing together the rich, the poor, the black, the white, the male, the female. And it led to a revival that went across this nation. Because one person said, I'm willing to sacrifice. I'm willing to sacrifice. I went my message today. I didn't have anything in here about sacrifice, so I know that's the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Philippians 2, from the Passion Translation. Look at how much encouragement you found in your relationship with the Anointed One. You are filled to overflowing with His comforting love what a great song today we heard he loved us so much i can't comprehend the goodness of god 
I, my, my little brain can't fathom why God still loves me. I don't understand. You see, I, I know my life. I know the voids, the brokenness, the pieces, the parts. And he still loves me. And he comforts me with his goodness, with his compassion, with his presence. And he encourage, encourages me. He lifts me up. And you have expressed a deep friendship with the Holy Spirit and have felt his tender affection and mercy. So I'm asking you, my friends, that you be joined together in perfect unity with one heart, with one passion, and united in love. Walk together with one harmonious purpose, and you will fill my heart with abounding joy. Unity is the key element, and it sets the atmosphere for a breakout of revival when we come together in one mind and one accord. I want to get this out right here real quick. Excuse me. Our new shirt for Mexico says love needs no translation. Thank you, Haley. Love needs no translation. Now, this is what we wore the team wore last week in Mexico. But let me tell you something. There's a lot of people that you walk with every day. They may speak the same language as you. They may speak English. But their life is different, and love needs no translation. If you love them like Christ loves you, you won't need an interpreter because love will go a million miles that you can't go alone. But you got to lay down your selfishness. Philippians 3 goes on to 2 goes on to say this. Be free from pride-filled opinions. Lord, Lord, I'm just going to keep on reading. Everybody's got one of those, don't they? For they will only harm your cherished unity. <laughs> your opinion is not that important. I hate to be politically incorrect. But your opinion is not that important. You know whose opinion is important? His opinion is important. Pastor, don't say my opinion is not important. That hurts my feelings. I'm saying your opinion's not so important that when it breaks barriers down and it destroys and it divides, your opinion is not important. Your purpose is important. The plan of God for your life is important. But when your opinion divides and hurts, your opinion's now not important. Don't allow self-promotion to hide in your hearts. Woo. Everybody's trying to climb the corporate ladder, get to the top. I found out that when people start climbing the ladder, they usually step on other people to get there. 
But the Bible says that the gift, come on, I'm about to preach this morning, that the gift will make room for you. You don't have to climb on somebody else to get where you're going when you're gifted. Because God will open doors that no man can shut. And he'll close doors that no man can open. If you, God's given you a gift, get in your lane, be obedient to God, and God will open doors that will blow your mind. Be authentic in humility. Put others first and view others more important than yourself. Now, if we just take that away today, we're going to have a breakthrough. Abandon. Everybody say abandon. Abandon every display of selfishness. Mine, me, mine. You don't have to teach a kid how to say mine. You don't have to. Hey, we just had a puppy, a dog that had eight puppies. They selfish too. They just crawling all over each other to get up there and get some milk. <laughs> Pushing the other one out of the way. Just a natural behavior. Excuse me. Thank you. <laughs> mine, 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 mine. This is mine. Abandon that. Look at other people more important than yourself. Abandon every display of selfish. Possess, position, possessing a greater concern for what matters to others instead of your own interests. Oh, Lord. Come on, somebody. I'm going write, to come, write, just write down Philippians 2, 1 through 5. That's your homework. Just go do that this one day. Just do it one day at a time. I'm going to do that one day at a time. I can't do it all week. I, I might mess up. I'm going to do it one day at a time. Just tomorrow, I'm going to do that. Tomorrow, I'm going to follow Philippians. I'm gonna, tomorrow, I'm going to do that. I'm going to practice that. It's such an a, 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 a innate thing in us to be selfish, to want mine, to get my way, to do it my way. But it's the purpose of God. To surrender that to him and allow the Holy Spirit to lead you to look at others greater than yourself. Everything in our American society says put you first. And everything in his kingdom says put you last. I want to decrease that he might increase. Worship team, you can go. It's hard for a person to love and care for people and be selfless. I'm sorry, and be selfish at the same time. It's hard for a person to love and care about other people and be totally selfish at the same time. It's hard. That's a hard thing to do. You can't be selfish and truly love other people. Selfishness has to be laid aside. Sacrifice has to come to have a relationship like God wants us to have. If we're going to have an outbreak, we must first live like others matter more. We have to get over our me mentality. 
and have a them mentality. Instead of saying, what do I get out of this? Say, what is this going to cost me? Because it's worth it. I got a car that's got almost 200,000 miles on it. My wife has been saying, honey, I think it's time. My kids don't like to ride to school in it because when I pull up at school, it's rattling. You know, everything's falling apart. Paint's coming off the hood. Good. I'm glad somebody loves it. It's cool, ain't it? I've been shopping for cars this past week. You know, there ain't no cheap cars no more. I sent some of my friends to go to auctions. I said, hey, I'm trying to find this car. And I want it, you know, around this amount of money. And they just kind of laughed. Like, Pastor, those days are long gone. I said, well, I'm just believing. I'm just going to be a believer. <laughs> I said all that to say this. You can give me a good, nice new car if you want. No, that's not what I was saying. <laughs> I said that was the monkey talking. <laughs> I said all that to say this. If you're going to get something, you're going to have to pay for it. It's going to cost you something. I've walked out a couple of different dealerships already. The friends of mine said, I, I just can't stomach that. I can't, I can't imagine paying that much a month for a vehicle. Just, look, I haven't been paying a car note in so long. But here's the bottom line, folks. If I'm getting a new car, it's going to cost me something. It's going to cost me something. And, and, and when we get to the place that we're more concerned about what will cost, cost us something in this world than what it will cost us for something that's not of this world. We'll sacrifice for something of this world, but we won't sacrifice something that's not of this world. But this is all going to melt with fervent heat, but that is eternal. And we got the value line in the wrong place. And I'm not telling you not to buy a new car or a new house or any of those things. I'm trying to talk today about a sacrifice that goes to the kingdom that says I'm going to give of myself, that I'm going to pray, that I'm going to strive for unity, that I'm going to give, that I'm going to see others the way God sees them, and I'm going to believe God for every element we need for an outbreak of his anointing and a breakthrough Revival. Here's what I want to do this morning. I want you to take your your communion now, please. I want to ask nobody to be moving around this this time, nobody going out. And those that are coming in, would you just ask them to pause back there, please? How many in this place needs a breakthrough in your life? You just need a breakthrough. Come on. 
Let's have a little moment of truth here. If you need a breakthrough revival in your life, raise your hand. You need a breakthrough anointing in your life, raise your hand. You see, if I said how many need a breakthrough in finances, we'd all have our hand up. How many need a good ribeye? Hallelujah. How many will meet me this afternoon at Lacaretta? We'll all eat Mexican food on me. Everybody be there. But if I said, hey, let's all meet tonight, we're going to pray through the night. Well, I already got something planned. Don't y'all love your pastor? He's just preaching the truth. Here's the thing. If we walk in his anointing, his purpose, and his plan, it won't solve all of our problems, but it'll help us to walk on them. As a matter of fact, if I read the scripture correctly, those people were praying got persecuted. We living in this greasy grace mentality. <laughs> and I believe in grace. I believe in grace. I'm going to be like the Apostle Paul this morning when he talked about tongues. I believe in grace more than all of you. But we got this idea of grace. Well, if I get a breakthrough, you know, then I'm not going to have any problems in my life. I hate to tell you, that ain't true. Matter of fact, if you really have a breakthrough, you're probably going to get persecuted for it. If you really start acting like a, a Jesus fanatical superstar, people are going to look at you like, what's wrong with you? Because they're going to say you're not normal, but really they're the ones not normal. We're actually living from the place that he created us to live in a supernatural realm, not of this world. But it's going to take a breakthrough moment in your life. It's going to take a breakthrough. It's going to keep to some key elements that's going to have to happen in our lives. Now, I'm not talking about works. I'm going to say, well, pastor's preaching about works. No, I'm talking about things that need to happen, not to get there because here we're saved by grace, but because we want to see God out the outpouring, we're going to go the next level. Y'all understand that? I'm saved by grace. Thank God. Because I'm a mess. I'm saved by grace. But there are some things that God wants to see in my life because I'm saved so that others can be also. Breakthrough. That's a whole other sermon right there. Let me don't get started on that. Here's what I want us to do this morning.